Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. I have Congressman Richie Torres of New York, uh, a fighter from the Bronx, and 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 you know the the great thing, and and I say this sincerely. He, he he has spent his and he's a young man. He has spent his entire life uh, working for his uh, his community. And uh, in case y'all, you're gonna hear a lot about him in the years to come. When uh, when when Congressman Torres was only 25 years old, he became New York City's youngest elected official. And um, Thank you so much. We we had uh, I had the pleasure of uh, being at the Congressional Black Caucus uh, dinner and spending uh, some time with you there. And appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I, I I you know Congressman, I I initially wanted to get you on to talk about uh, the the job you did with the res- uh, the bill, the Respect for the Marriage Act. And what this really means, and and I know it's been a few weeks since it's, it was signed, but it, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to your district and 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 culturally in this country and politically? Look, for me, the Respect for Marriage Act means that America is becoming a multiracial, multiethnic, LGBTQ inclusive democracy. As you know, the Respect for Marriage Act came in response to the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs overturning Roe versus Wade. You know, Clarence Thomas announced that he was on a mission to overturn a Burgerfeld versus Hodges, which protects the right to marriage, Lawrence versus Texas, which protects the right to intimacy, and Griswold versus Connecticut, which protects the right to privacy. And rather than wait passively on the sidelines, and allow those rights to be stripped away, you know, we in Congress made a decision to proactively protect the privacy of Americans, the right to both same-sex marriage and interracial marriage. You know, we did for the right to marriage what we should have done for the right to an abortion. We're enshrining it in federal law to protect it from the whims of a far-right Supreme Court. Do you, uh, since you brought this up, what if you could the tea leaves? Do you think that this issue, as it relates to Roe versus Wade, can get done in the next session of of Congress? The honest truth is no, because the Republicans control the House, uh, and and that's the challenge. Our greatest problem is mass is Republican control in the House and the filibuster in the Senate, even though. We have a majority of Democratic senators in the Senate. Uh, the filibuster is an obstacle mm-hmm. to passing, to codifying Roe versus Wade in federal law. So well, I'm, I've been, I've long been in favor of abolishing the filibuster for that reason. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and appreciate the fact that you are, and most Democrats are. We, you know, as you may know, uh, was it what uh, a difference a year makes when I went on the hunger strike, and we thought we could get uh, that uh, that John Lewis bill incorporated. The House, your House passed it. Matter of fact, who was it? Uh, 
the leader from South Carolina, who told Clyburn said they you guys in the House passed it three times, and and in this filibuster, and most Democrats finally got on board. The the other issue, and since you brought it up about controlling the House. Let me get your response. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about George Santos. Um, Young, Latino, New York, um, different party. But now it's coming out that uh, he may may have falsified, and I have to be careful because it's all being alleged, but New York Times comes out with this story. He didn't work where he said he worked. He didn't go to school college where he said he went to college can the people of uh, in his district and i have to I, can they do anything about this because he, he's going to be sworn in in a few weeks look as far as i'm concerned george santos and who knows if that's actually his name <laughs> defrauded the voters of new york three long island Um, My view is that he should be referred to the ethics committee. Uh, There should be an investigation into his conduct. Uh, And then we in Congress should follow the recommendations of the ethics committee. Ah. Uh, But he's he's one of the most fraudulent figures that I've ever seen in politics. And Um, and now, frankly, you said you introduced him as a Latino. I don't even... Who knows if he's Latino? Well, you, just, well, you to be Jewish. I don't know. <laughs> you, uh, hey, uh, Congressman, you, 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 you sort of made that point. We don't even know if that's his name. <laughs> this is how serious it gets. I've just never seen anything like it. I mean, it's one thing to have fabrications at the margins, but to have your whole political identity, your whole life, as a fabrication is is something I've never seen in my time in public office. Yeah. There should be consequences for where he, he defrauded the voters. That, that's the only way I can characterize yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, the, and, and the other reason I did want to get you on, and I hope we can plan to have you on from time to time as we go into next year. Um, and, 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 and that is there's so many issues that, that, that I need to pick your brain on. One of them is the what's going on on the south on the southern border. My heart, my empathy, my my my, I, it just it's tearing me apart politically, mentally, socially. Um, the, you know, and and can you explain just for this audience because they're talking about uh, forty two? What is it, Bill forty two? Law forty two? that was part of the Trump Title 42. That was at Title 42, which really goes back, does it not, to when we had the COVID epidemic. Yeah. Uh, can you just sort of explain to my audience what Congress needs to do, in your opinion? So even though Title 42 has been brought up in the context of immigration, it's actually a public health law, right? It's a public health law that confers emergency powers on the federal government during an emergency. And the federal government has been applying Title 42 uh, to expel migrants from the border. Uh, A federal judge recently struck down that use of Title 42 as invalid, but it's been restored by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court temporarily John Roberts. So it remains in place. 
Um, but, you know, we've been overwhelmed by a wave of migration, especially here in New York City. The mayor has said that it has cost the city of New York about a billion dollars. And we see Republican governors demagoguing the issue of immigration and politicizing it and busing people, masses of people, to New York City. Um, and, you know, we have had the responsibility of providing shelter and food and, and, and life necessities to migrants at a cost of about a billion dollars. The budget we're passing this week will include uh, $800 million in emergency assistance for cities that have been affected by the migration wave. Uh, and a lot, the lion's share of those dollars will likely go to New York City. Wow. And, 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 and why, for people who I know the answer to this, well, why the lion's share to New York City? I mean, we're receiving more migrants than any other city in the country. Um, both, you know, especially Governor Abbott from Texas has been busing the majority of migrants to New York City. And according to Mayor Adams, it has cost the city about a billion dollars. And our view is that it should be a federal responsibility because immigration ultimately is a federal issue. But the crisis at the border, to the extent that there is one, is a function of a broken immigration system. And the Republican Party would rather score political points than actually fix a broken system. What is broken? I, we hear that, and I can, and I can suggest to you, in, in all honesty, audiences hear that all the time. It's a broken system. It's a, and they don't know what that means. What is broken? Well, for one thing, there should be – look, I, I feel like we should be a sanctuary for immigrants. Right? I, I believe that people should have the right to come here for asylum purposes. But it should be done through an orderly process. We cannot allow Republican governors to bus migrants to cities to make political points. That should be expressly prohibited by federal law. There should be an orderly process by which migrants are connected to family members they may have here in the United States. Right. The, probably, I've heard as many as 40 percent of the migrants who come through the border actually have family members in the United States. And the logical thing to do is not to bust them to New York City to make a political point, but to connect them to their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, is that a federal responsibility, individual responsibility? It, it would require action from Congress. Uh, because if, if, if as long as you have inaction from Congress, right, you're going to have a vacuum that's going to be filled by people like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis who play politics. Yeah. I also, Congressman uh, Torres, I also hear a lot of talk about the need for employment. I mean, the need for employees. Uh, and I, I think it was the last time we talked with the Secretary of Labor. There were like millions of jobs out here in America that ne- in the United States that needs to be filled, um, and and that these jobs are often filled. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. By immigrants to this country, people who migrate to this country, who lo- uh, basically are looking for work. Um, it's. It, it, is is that part of the uh, – can migrants do that work, fill that void? There's no question. I mean, I would, I would submit to you the U.S. economy 
Yes. And, and the New York City economy would collapse without immigration. Like there are sectors like restaurants, agriculture that are built on the labor of immigrants. Um, so I think people underestimate the centrality, the central importance of immigration to the economic growth of our country. I mean, talk to and about your own family. You are the product of uh, what a, a, a immigrants on both sides, mother and father. So technically, no, because uh, my father was born in Puerto Rico, which is a colony, right, a territory right. of the United States. Right. So, um, technically, my family, even though it, it has an immigrant-like experience, right. um, but I should note that actually recently we passed the, the Puerto Rico Status Act in the House, which would empower the people of Puerto Rico to decide their political future, to vote for either independence or statehood or free association in a binding referendum and a binding plebiscite. Uh, so we're waiting for that bill uh, to pass the Senate, which will be an uphill battle. Um, but uh, mm. but since you brought it up, I felt like I should mention it. Yeah, I, well, I'm glad I wanted you to mention it. And then finally, um, and we're speaking to Congressman Richie uh, Torres of, uh, of of New York. It, you know, New York, he is, an, what, 20, you were 25 elected to the, uh, he was the youngest elected official. What office was that? Was that the city council? New York City Council. New York City Council, and and the and he has re- and he represents this uh, district. I um, you know, I I I am I I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, and I think I already know what your response will be. Um, and that is the Congress deciding now to release the uh, taxes of Donald Trump. So I'll put the question this way, and to counter the MAGA people out here who say, you know, we we shouldn't do this. Why is it important, in your opinion, that we should know, uh, we should have the taxes of 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 the of the president of the United States. Now he's the first in modern time not to release his uh, taxes. But how do you respond to those who say, "No, this will this this will set a a very bad precedent and harm individuals uh, in in uh, the average citizen." Well, the former president has nothing in common with the average citizen. <laughs> True. The, the, there's a tradition of both presidents and presidential candidates releasing their tax returns, right? For the sake of transparency and accountability to the public. And there's no reason that Donald Trump should be an exception to that rule. And keep in mind that his organization, the Trump organization, was convicted of tax fraud, which to me underscores the urgency of publicly reviewing his tax returns. And... And so what, 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 I'm sorry, maybe I'm, I got lost here, but what you're no, saying. I, I, I think that since it's, in, it's, it's in keeping with tradition. With tradition. With tradition. Like there's a tradition, most every president before Donald Trump. Right. Every presidential candidate before Donald Trump mm. released their tax returns publicly. Right, right. Uh, it, Donald Trump broke the tradition. He's the one who set the dangerous precedent, not Congress. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I, I, you know, and here's what's happening. My mind is, I'm thinking like, I hate to say this, like the MAGA folks who are, who are, who are probably saying, well, tradition is one thing. The law is another. And I've had people to call me and I've heard it on other talk shows that this is in violation and I can't think of the code, but it's in violation of, uh, of the law. Um, quite, quite the opposite. Um, we, we, Congress is releasing his tax returns after years and years and years of litigation. Like the issue reached, I believe, either the Supreme Court or the D.C. Court of Appeals. Mm-hmm. And only after we got the green light from the courts did Congress agree to release his tax returns. But it was the product of judicial review and years and years of litigation. This was not something that was done lightly overnight. This was done through the legal process. And, well, that answers that question. That answers that question. Then, Look, I hope we can get back, have you come back to us after the year, and appreciate you taking the time. Um, it, I, I, I would imagine you never thought that as a young elected official uh, uh, that you would be part of a historic <laughs> effort and and uh in congress uh to get this uh respect for marriage act through it must mean an awful lot to you look i i never imagined in my wildest dreams that i would go from public housing to the house of representatives in washington dc and then preside over the debate for the respect for marriage act and yeah when the republicans were speaking I was able to say your time has expired, which I meant in more ways than one. <laughs> we'll end it there. <laughs> I appreciate you being with us. I really do. Look forward to our next conversation. Take care. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.